Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Cash That with Joe Delera and producer Corey. I'm Joe Delera, and we're going to start off hot. Last week, we gave out two picks to start off the pod, and they both hit. And now we're going to be giving you another two NBA picks for tomorrow's slate, today's slate, Wednesday's slate. And the two picks are going to be Warriors minus four and the Pistons versus Hornets over 227. Uh, that's Warriors minus four and then Pistons versus Hornets over 227. And the Warriors are playing Dallas Mavericks on the road there. Uh, so we're going to come back and talk about those two picks and the analysis a little bit later in the pod. Uh, so uh, hopefully you stay tuned. But the first thing we're going to talk about today is the return of both Kyrie Irving and Clay Thompson to the NBA and to the floor this year. So what's going to be very interesting about Kyrie Irving coming back to play is that, you know, that he's going to be a part-time player. New York, unless, you know, unless producer Corey knows anything otherwise, but uh, with his political genius here, uh, I, I don't think that New York is planning on changing that, uh, their their vaccination policy, um, unless you have any other information. No, especially with the way the cases are surging right now, uh, I, I can't imagine them changing that. So maybe there's hope that by the postseason or something that that'll be... I'm keeping it in. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. My puppy, Kona, just went a little nuts. She does not like, she doesn't know how to feel about the vaccination requirements either. And let me tell you, so it's going to create, it's creating like a really interesting situation, especially for the Nets and Kyrie Irving. I think that they needed to, this is something that it seems like they needed to do in particular because of the way that players have been hurt on their team and the way the players have really been in and out of the roster, in and out of the, in and out of their lineups with the way the COVID protocols have been. So this is definitely something to take note of. And Kyrie, he's only going to be able to play in road games. So if you're playing him from like a fantasy perspective, he's not really worth it. I think, you know, if you're doing some DFS stuff, then, you know, maybe you can find some value there, especially like, you know, if he's a little bit more rested, but he's not going to be playing really probably more than like three games a week at the most, uh, you know, between the home and road splits. But the thing to keep in mind here, and I think a lot of people have really forgotten uh, just how impactful he can be. You know, last season he averaged 26.9 points, 4.8 rebounds and six assists in about 35 minutes per game while shooting 50, 40 and 92 from the line. I mean, that's, those are incredible numbers. Those are all time numbers and the guy's just a bucket. So I think that the interesting thing here is going to be how he impacts his other, his teammates. And most notably, obviously there's going to be Kevin Durant and James Harden, who I just saw for the first time. I went to the Nets game the other day and it, they're incredible to watch in person. They're both so freaking good. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how he impacts them. You know, a lot of, a lot of last year, there was, they really struggled to play together between the injuries and uh, the way the resting was and load management. But the thing to keep in mind is that this season, they should all be healthy, but then on a game to game basis, uh, I know a couple of my friends, the action network, particularly uh, Raheem Palmer was talking about how the Nets are going to be treated in terms of the power rankings for when he does play or when he doesn't play and how that's going to be interesting to look at what the spreads come out to be versus the like, you know, on the road versus at home when you have a player of Irving's caliber joining your team. But 
the the main difference from my look at what that like how Kyrie impacts Kevin Durant and James Harden is that Durant has been playing about five more minutes a game, he's scoring about five more points a game, and he's seen like a little bit of an uptick to his rebounds and assists, about half of about a half rebound and a half of assists per game increase this season versus last season when he played in 27 games with Kyrie Irving. As for James Harden, his stats are actually almost identical. The only thing that's really different is he drops off about an assist per game. Um, or he actually had an assist per game more with Kyrie last season versus this season. So it, maybe that's just because he's able to defer. He's able to give it to somebody who can really, who can also create his own shot or make his own shot. Um, but Harden is pretty much unaffected by Kyrie Irving's appearance on or off the court. Now, the player that I think that's been awesome for the Nets this season is Patty Mills. And Patty Mills has really filled in the role that Joe Harris has held due to Joe Harris's ankle injury. And although they have different builds, so I'm a little curious to see if that changes the way the Nets rotations are because of a defensive perspective, um, where Kyrie, Patty Mills, like they're not like the biggest dudes, whereas Joe Harris is a little bit bigger and you could kind of play, uh, you could play him. He could defend a little bit different player. Uh, He would defend a bigger player. So I'm a little curious about that. But the thing that I'm keying in on is that when Kyrie played with Joe Harris last year, Harris averaged or two fewer points about a rebound less and about a half an assist less while taking um, one about like two fewer shots whenever he played with Kyrie. So I think that that's something to keep in mind with Patty Mills. Like Mills has been averaging about 14 or 15 points per game since Joe Harris went out. And I I'm curious to see where exactly this goes, but he's definitely somebody that if they lower that prop a little too far in tonight's game against the Indiana Pacers, that's going to be a spot that I'm going to be looking to play Patty Mills because when you have guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, they control so much gravity and these players, you know, it's impossible to double team all of them. And, but if you are going to double team them, or if there's going to be a lapse in your defensive coverage, it's going to be to defend Durant, Harden or Irving. That opens up spacing for Patty Mills. Who's a knockdown shooter. And this Indiana Pacers team, they tend to give up a lot. Of, they do give up a decent amount of three-point shots. They give up, uh, you know, they give up three-point shots at one of the, you know, they give up, they give up the opportunities at a lower rate, but the teams do shoot better against them. And that they actually have a, an allowed effective field goal percentage of 53.5%, which is 22nd in the league. So that's definitely a spot that I'm going to be looking to key in on tomorrow night or in this game in particular, because I do think that Kyrie is going to want to touch the ball. He's going to want to get some minutes, but I also don't know how the Nets are going to manage his minutes. So if he, he might only play 20 minutes tomorrow. So then, you know, you're looking at a situation where they, the books might've overreacted just a touch to what, you know, what, what Patty Mills line should have been, what Kevin Durant's line should have been, what James Harden's line should have been. So I think that that's definitely something to, to look at. And if you're looking at points, you know, if, if James Harden's points prop has, they, if they drop it too much, you know, he was averaging about 22 and a half points with or without Irving this year and last year. So it, depending on where they move that, you might be able to get some value on James Harden in the spot. And then for Durant, you know, he's averaging 
almost 30 points a game. Whereas last year when he played with Irving, he only was getting about 25 and a half. So those are all spots that I'm going to be looking at. I'll be tweeting out my plays. I'll be putting them in the action app. So you'll have a better idea of what exactly I'm going to do. <clears throat> now, the next thing that's really interesting with the Nets is they obviously were a title contender in the first place. And this line like really hasn't changed. Like right now, from what I'm seeing, they're about plus 260 to win the NBA title. And that's with the Irving news. And I'm wondering if the books just are kind of at a point where you, like you can't really move that line that much more uh, without it being completely unactionable. Uh, nobody's going to really, nobody really wants to lay hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, or even $10 on a team that's plus 260 when the title and the championship, like you're not going to see that money till June. Like you might actually be better off putting it into like a savings bond at that point, which I don't think anybody's ever said. Uh, so, but I do think that having Kyrie return, at least now, I think it's important for a couple of reasons that are going to help them win or possibly win a title. And part of that has to do with the fact that he's another creator. He's another option. He is giving you another player that, you know, if somebody goes down with injury, you still have two elite offensive options on the team and, an, and another facilitator. But he he creates matchup problems because basically nobody can really defend him. He, you know, if he wants to get if he wants to get a shot, he's going to get a shot. And that is something that I think the Nets need this season a little bit more just because of the way their injuries have been. And he's going to allow you to play Kevin Durant fewer minutes, James Harden fewer minutes, and get those guys a little bit more rest, keep them healthy throughout the season. And, you know, that, that might set the Nets up a little bit later down the line, even if it is only on road games. So I, I do think that there's no value in the number, but they're definitely a team that I'm looking at you know, and keeping an eye on throughout, you know, throughout this season. But the Nets are obviously a pretty, a pretty public team at this point with Durant, Harden, and now Kyrie Irving coming back. So I actually saw that there's the spread for tonight's game is the Brooklyn Nets minus six against the Indiana Pacers. I think that is actually, it looks like there's actually a four and a half on Fox bet right now. So I, I think that that's actually a bet that you need to take. I like that spot a lot. and against this Indiana, that's against this Indiana Pacers team who is playing right now at the time of this recording against the New York Knicks on the front end of a back-to-back. And, you know, I think this is a good spot. They're going to be without Malcolm Brogdon, who they said is already going to be missing that game due to conditioning. And the Pacers are not like a very good team, honestly. So I, I do think that this is going to be a place where, you know, we can back the Nets pretty confidently they're plus 2.2 in terms of adjusted net rating, which is ninth best in the league. The Pacers are plus 0.4, which is 16th best. But, you know, when you're when you're playing that back to back, I think that that puts them in a very tough position against this Nets team who probably wants to put on a put on a show, put out a statement game after getting blown out by the Grizzlies on Monday night. So I think that this is a really big spot for the Nets. And I'll, I'll bet that narrative at minus four and a half. I, I saw a minus six earlier. Uh, and I would play the four and a half as well. Um, so now that we talked about the Brooklyn Nets, I want to talk about the return of Clay Thompson. This is really interesting because Clay hasn't played in a while. And basically, like the league that Clay Thompson played in was almost like a completely different NBA. 
if you look at the way the teams shooting, even the shot profile is, it's, it's a little bit different where, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors were dominant in terms of what their shooting was, like what their, which their shot selection was. They took so many more threes really than everybody else. And they had the number one effective field goal percentage of 56.4% back in 2019, uh, the year that they lost to the Toronto Raptors in the finals. To and a lot of that had to do with the injury. Um, and they took a million threes. And the thing that's really interesting about that is that this is kind of there's been a change now in the NBA, and a lot of teams are basically taking that mentality. They're take they're employing that strategy, and the edge that the Warriors had in terms of shot selection isn't necessarily there anymore, but it is their, their edges in the fact that they have better shooters of the basketball. So you have a team now that's comprised, you know, of Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson is going to be rejoining them. You also are going to have, uh, you know, Draymond Green is still there. You have Andrew or <laughs> Andre Iguodala, Andrew Wiggins, so I think that this is a very interesting team for Clay to come back to because they're they're different. And I think that it's something I think it was Andre Iguodala had said to Clay Thompson it was like, yo, like this is a totally different league uh, than you last played. Like, you know, you were before you were a, you know, like a bigger three now or like, you know, or a bigger two guard. And then now you're, you know, you're, you're considered like a stretch four. So it, it's, he's going to be asked to do some different things on defense. I'm curious to see, you know, how, how well he performs defensively, but I don't, I'm not really concerned about his shot. I think that his shot is going to continue to be excellent. And if you really look at Clay Thompson's impact for this team, he's going to help the spacing. He's going to help Steph Curry from being doubled, especially at the end of a game. And I think that was something that was incredibly important. Um, I think it was a couple, it was a couple games ago. It was, I think it was sometime last week and the Warriors basically took this one, took this shot. They couldn't get Curry the ball. And there was insert the, I want Iguodala thing in here, uh, producer Corey, but Andre Iguodala just completely bricked or airballed, whatever, a three pointer that would have tied the game or took the lead. Uh, it was against the Denver Nuggets um, when the Warriors had been down like 20 something at half. So I think that that is something that Clay Thompson is going to provide that this Warriors team doesn't have, which is really a little bit more stability. Because when Steph is not played this year, you can tell that this team like needs something else. Like they don't like Draymond's as good as he is. He's not you know, he's not like a primary offensive option, whereas Clay Thompson could be. And Andrew Wiggins was quoted like in practice, he was talking to, he was talking to Andre Iguodala and he was like, bro, like he just doesn't dribble. And that type of shot, shot making is something that's invaluable because he's going to keep you, he's going to keep the offense moving. He's going to keep defenders really anchored to him because he's not somebody that when he gets the ball, he's like, Oh, I got to dribble. It's getting to get into position to shoot, shoot the shot. His off ball movement was historically so good that he was already, as soon as he was catching the ball, like the ball was coming to him and he was already like starting shooting motion. So that's something that I think is going to keep defense defenders honest against this golden state warriors team. And that's, I think that's a great spot. So uh, the warriors already this year have a plus 9.3 point differential per 100 possessions. Uh, and in terms of adjusted net rating, it's plus 9.7, which is actually the best ranking uh, in the NBA, 
Whereas in terms of just true point differential, which doesn't account for strength of schedule. And this is a tool that I use uh, with at dunksandthrees.com. Uh, it's them and the Utah Jazz are flip-flopped in that regard. So I think that this is going to be, this is a, an incredible opportunity for this Warriors team. And I think that the fact that you can kind of still get the, um, you can still get the Warriors to win the title at plus 460, I think that they should be a little bit closer to the Brooklyn Nets in terms of what that number is. So like, if you haven't gotten a Warriors bet down, I think that you might need to do it sooner rather than later. Otherwise, you know, you're going to really lose that opportunity. You're going to lose that, um, the ability to get that bet in, uh, especially at that number. So the thing that I want, this is the thing that I want to talk about. And it's going to be a little bit interesting because Curry has been obviously incredible uh, this season. He's an MVP front runner and he should be able to compliment, you know, Clay Thompson pretty well, but we haven't really seen Curry and just Clay play in a number of years now, because the last time that these, they, all these guys played together, they had Kevin Durant on the team and Kevin Durant was averaging 26 points a game. Curry was averaging 27.3 and Clay was averaging 21.5. So I think that you're going to probably see Clay Clay, I'd imagine he probably averages some number that's similar to that. Curry right now is still averaging 27.2 uh, per game this season. So it's going to be a very interesting situation to see who exactly Clay Thompson maybe takes away from a little bit, but I, I wouldn't go crazy. You know, he would play, he was playing 34 minutes a game and he was averaging 21.5 points, 3.8 rebounds and 2.4 assists on 46% shooting from the field and 40% from three. So I, I'm curious to see who exactly he takes minutes from. And I think it's going to be a really interesting, uh, it's going to be a really interesting development in the, not only the, not only in the NBA, but particularly in the Western conference where them, the Suns and the jazz are really jockeying for position to be that one seed. And uh, Clay, Clay Thompson coming back, it's basically like getting a trade and you're bringing in an all-star caliber player. So I'm, I'm very excited to see this. And I think that it's going to be something that uh, is going to be much must watch TV. So it, it sounds like he's going to be playing on Sunday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we'll, we'll see how that game goes, but I'll definitely be talking about that more. I'll be talking about Clay Thompson more and we'll, we'll try to get some picks out for that game, but that's going to turn us right now. And I think that this is bringing us naturally into this. All right, so we're going to be talking about the Golden State Warriors minus four against the Dallas Mavericks. Now, this line looks like it's – I think that we're ahead of this line. I think this line is going to jump to minus five, maybe even minus six. Uh, I understand that Luka Doncic is back, but the Dallas Mavericks right now are expected to be missing Kristaps Porzingis for that game. And besides that, actually, we are going to be looking at Draymond Green returning for the Golden State Warriors, who was out a couple games with the league's, you know, health and safety protocols. And I, I think that this is really a spot that I want to key in on the Golden State Warriors. I think that they're undervalued. I think that this home, I think that home court, you know, it matters, sure. But I don't think, I don't agree with the this line. I think that they're just underpriced a bit here. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Luca's back and he's a popular player to bet on. They're going to say, oh, well, like, you know, Luca's the home dog, like four points. That's a lot of points. I, I just, 
I can't get, I can't get over that line. I think that that's too, I think that that's too much. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that the Warriors are actually the, they're the best team in terms of net rating. We talked about that a little bit earlier. They're plus 9.7. They have the number four offensive rating in the league and the adjusted offensive rating in the league and the number one defensive adjust adjusted defensive rating in the league, as opposed to the Dallas Mavericks who have a solid defense They're at uh, they're an eighth with 108.4 and they have an adjusted net rating of plus 1.1. Um, but their offensive rating is just 109.5, which is 19th in the league. And they just, they can't get it going. I don't know whether it's a Jason Kidd thing. I don't know if it's a chemistry thing, but they really just, they really have not been a very good, uh, they've not been like the greatest basketball team this year. And they've really, really taken a huge step back from the past couple seasons where they were basically the gold standard in what an offense was. And losing Kristaps Porzingis against this Warriors team, it kind of takes away a little bit of an edge that they had because the Warriors didn't have, don't really have a guy uh, that's, you know, his size, they can play on the wing. I understand that Draymond Green can obviously defend him, but Porzingis has been a plus this season. It's plus is on off is plus uh, 0.4, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but he's a pretty big step up from Maxi Kleba and, you know, Dwight Powell, who've been minus 3.4 minus 7.7. And it's actually really crazy that Luca is a minus 7.8 in terms of point differential. So I, I don't know what, I'm not really sure what the deal is. I'm not reading too much into that number. I mean, Luke is still amazing. Luke is Luca, but it's, it's definitely something to keep in mind with this matchup. Um, so another thing is, although the, although the Dallas Mavericks have really defended you know, the three-point line in terms of getting shots, in terms of getting volume, they're not really defending the attempts that well. They're allowing opponents to shoot 35.4% from three, which is about league average. But the problem is, you know, if you're playing the, if you're playing the Golden State Warriors, who are really the best team at shooting, like basically pretty much in the league, they have an effective field goal percentage of 56.1%. And then they shoot 37.3% from three point range as a team, which is sixth best, sixth best in the league. Uh, you know, that that's, that's pretty much, that's a, quite the problem there. So I, I think that the team that, we, you know, we're really going to try to look at is the Warriors in this spot and to get them at minus five, I love this. I think that they're a much better team. I think that they are going to really be able to transcend that, you know, that any type of home field or home court difference here. And at minus four, you have Steph Curry, you have Draymond Green. I don't see the Dallas Mavericks really having an answer for any of them. And their defense, although it's been good, I just don't think that they can score on this Warriors team with the way their offenses look this year. Uh, so I'll take the Golden State Warriors minus four, and I would take it up to minus six in this spot. As for the second game that we're going to talk about is the Charlotte Hornets versus the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons just won like a shocker. It was actually the biggest upset since, or the biggest upset this year. I think they were plus 1100 or something on the money line. And they were uh, 15 and a half point underdogs and they beat the Milwaukee bucks just outright the other day. Um, 
this is, I think that the spread is a little surprising because, you know, there's still, there's still like 10 point underdogs to the Hornets. Um, whether I agree with that or not, it's kind of, you know, it is what it is, but the, the number that I'm really looking at is the total. Uh, and a lot of this has to do with the fact that the Hornets have the third best offense in the league at 113.2 in terms of their offensive rating. And they have the third worst defensive rating in the league at 113.6. Now the, I, (laughs) the Pistons aren't really much better on defense or, and they're definitely worse on offense. The Pistons have the second worst offensive rating in the league and they have the 20th ranked defensive rating in the league, but I'm not so much concerned about the, the Pistons, you know, ability to score be, just because the Hornets defense is so bad and they're going to get Kate Cunningham back. They're getting Killian Hayes back. I think that this is a good spot for them. But besides that, the thing that I think is very important here is both of these teams play at top 10 paces in the league. The Hornets have the number one pace in the league at 100.9. The Detroit Pistons are number 10 at 98.8. And when you look at their, you know, when you look at the other numbers here, the supporting metrics, both of them are taking their, they're taking shots, their offensive possession length is short. The Hornets are only at four. They're at 14 seconds. The Pistons are at 14.5 seconds, both top 10 marks in the league. And then in terms of their defensive spots, so how opponents are shooting against them, opponents are getting shots up fast against both the Hornets and the Pistons. And it's 14.6 seconds for the Hornets, which is eighth and 14.7 seconds for the Pistons, which is 13th. So these are all marks that are above league average. And I understand that the, so I think the Hornets are really going to, the Hornets are going to score a lot of points here, um, especially against this Pistons defense. But I think that the Hornets defense is so bad that we're getting an opportunity at 227 uh, this this is a great spot, I think. I, I'd prefer to, and I prefer the full game, like I prefer the, the total, uh, full game total rather than a team total in this instance, specifically because I think that the Hornets defense is not going to really even be able to stop the Detroit offense. I think this is going to be a spot where Kate Cunningham, Killian Hayes can, you know, show out a little bit. Uh, and, I, and I think that they're going to have a good opportunity to, you know, to score and take care of business here and put up some points. So it's a little bit of a, it's a, it's a little bit of a surprising take given the fact that the Pistons offense is, has generally been so bad, but I think that the Hornets defense being as bad as it actually is, is going to give them an opportunity to, you know, to really like key in here. And the Hornets allow opponents to shoot 36.5% from three. And I get that they're not, I get that that's not, you know, that's, that's pretty bad. That's low. And they, they give up those shots at the fourth highest rate in the league. So opponents shoot 40.3% of their shots from three point range. This is something that I like specifically because Detroit, especially Cade Cunningham, and he's somebody that I'm going to be targeting in terms of the prop market he loves chucking threes. So I think this is a good spot for him. And I'm really looking at his three-pointer prop. It's been sitting around like two and a half, three and a half. Uh, and it's definitely something I might want to escalate up a little bit because they, you know, they do want to take a lot. Of, they do want to take threes, particularly corner threes, and they do try to get to the rim. So I think that against this Hornets team who lacks, you know, like a real true, 
defensive presence at the rim and they're not really defending anybody on the perimeter, I think this is a good spot to bet the over. So I'll be taking the Detroit Pistons versus Charlotte Hornets over 227 in this game. All right. So for the NFL, we are not really going to talk about it. Um, The last week of the season, it's a little bit crazy. Uh, Teams are jockeying for playoff positioning and stuff. I grabbed the Colts at minus nine and a half against the Jaguars earlier in the week, but that line is swelled to minus 15. I honestly would still take it at minus 15. Uh, I think it might even go up to minus nine or minus 17 as well, but I'd be taking the spot. The Jaguars are just four and 12 against the spread. And if they lose, they can get the number one pick in the 2022 draft. So I I would take the Colts. I would lay the points. I get that it's a lot of points, but I think that the Colts are going to be showing out. I think that they're going to be Jonathan tailoring the fuck out of the Jaguars. So my Colts minus 15. Um, Now we're done. It's a new year, but we are still keeping the segment pods and recs producer Corey. Yes, Mr. Joseph. Do you have something to recommend? How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, Still tired from the holidays, a lot of back and forth, a lot of traveling, a lot of exhaustion, uh, been avoiding um, COVID outbreaks like I'm storming the beaches of Normandy in the opening scene from uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, <laughs> and right now I'm just like down behind a pillar screaming. Um, I'm going to recommend the Harry Potter reunion with all the castmates that was on HBO Go. Maybe wow. I shed a tear when I watched it. I won't say for sure. Um it's really heartwarming stuff, but also like kind of incredible to see the um, the CGI for 2001 was pretty crazy. Good. Um, you know, when you really had the budget for it and it makes me really hate movies now that don't spring for good CGI or use it too much and make it fucking cheesy. Dude, uh, you got to just spend the money thing, but maybe I am. Uh, you literally have to just spend the money. Yeah, either do it or don't. Because if you do, you can have a billion dollar franchise like Harry Potter. So, you know, go go watch it. HBO Max, very good. Hour forty. Love minutes. that. I love that. Um, my recommendation for this week is going to be going to the gym on off hours. You know, if you can go at like a little bit of an odd time, I would highly recommend it. I think that it's just gotten. You know, it's. It's still crowded despite the COVID cases going up. So, uh, and plus like you got all the new year, new me people, you got all the new year's resolutions. If you can go on a little bit of an off hour, I would recommend that. Or, you know, don't do chest on Monday, like do chest on a Tuesday. I did chest today. I got a good workout in, um, wasn't able to go as on as off of an hour as I would have liked to, but I think that it's still a good opportunity uh, for you to, you know, hit your fitness goals and then not see as many people, while, which is good for getting a bench. And it's also good for keeping your social distance. So those are my recommendations. And, uh, you know, we appreciate the listeners. We appreciate you, uh, you know, sharing this, retweeting this, hitting us up. Let us know if you have any questions. Let us know what you think. And... Let's cash that. Have you ever been close to tragedy? Close to folks who have 
high You need a strength much more possessed Or has it ever come down to do or die You got to rise above the rest Sure it isn't good And I'm glad I have 